0: Think. Come on, seriously, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I know it's in there. I know it is. I'm thinking about it myself. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm dayon Kovachevich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates. That you can find in the same place you found this. It's it's tempting, isn't it? You know, the team's 5 and 7. The last time we looked at the standings, they were 3 and 7 and had absolutely no hope or 2 and 6 depending on whatever it was that you saw as rock bottom and felt the need to look and see where the Steelers stood. This is where they are. This is where they are. They're 5 and 7. And they've got 5 games left. And they would, this is a little bit tougher math than it used to be. We all got used to the 16 game schedule saying, all right, well, you need nine wins, absolutely, to be in the wild card playoff picture or whatever. Maybe with the 17 game schedule, that changes a little bit. I still think you're going to need around nine, maybe even 10 to get in. So what you're looking at here is, The Steelers would need to either run the table or win four or five, or there's just no discussion to be had. You're not going to go eight and nine and make the playoffs. But I can tell you that isn't stopping some people, including some people inside the locker room, from openly talking about it. Why? Well, the one thing that they can discuss in public is that they're playing better. I don't think anybody would dispute that. And that's a thing unto itself. Miles Jack, when we were in Atlanta, shared with me after the game the observation that, hey, the offense is getting there, the defense is getting there, special teams, we're building confidence in here. It's it's very likely that we're going to be sneaking up on some teams now. He said that completely seriously, no hint or trace of you know hedging it. And he, he's got every right to feel that way. He's out there for 60, 70 defensive snaps, tackling really large, really strong men. You know, this is a guy who's putting it all on the line with every snap. He absolutely is entitled to believe in his heart of hearts that the Steelers can do what I just described. I don't begrudge anybody who's a competitor from feeling that way. And I definitely don't begrudge them from feeling that way when they look at the remainder of this regular season schedule. And if you haven't, there are two games, including this weekend, against the Ravens, who are very likely not going to have Lamar Jackson this weekend, based on some stuff that John Harbaugh said yesterday in Owings Mills, Maryland, after. And the other three opponents are the Panthers, the Raiders, and the Browns. Uh, You know? What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. See, for me, this is more a case of looking at the whole scenario collectively way more than it is analyzing each individual matchup. The Steelers, these Steelers, as they currently are, without even getting any better, can beat the Panthers, can beat the Raiders, can beat the Browns, and yes, can beat the Ravens, with or without Lamar. But what has to happen for all of this to come together is exactly what I said at the outset, which is you've got to run the table or come really, really close to it. And there isn't a soul alive who could convince me that this group, as they are, as currently constructed, can put together a winning streak of seven games or even six out of seven. Do you see the difference? You can't just take them one at a time. I mean, the, the coaches and the players can and do. But for a scenario like this, you and I can't look at this and say, well, they can beat the Panthers. Yeah, sure they can. Everybody can beat the Panthers. But the fact is, it tends to take a really, really, really good team to run off this many wins in a row. And even if the Steelers' trajectory is healthy, and I'm on record now week after week as saying I like where they're headed, they aren't there. They aren't there on either side of the ball. Now, what would it take to get there? Well, you'd need to see continued consistency in the running game. To me, that's where this all starts. If you go back to the buy. In the games the Steelers have played since then, they've averaged 161 yards on the ground per game. That's legit. That's the beginnings of planting a flag offensively. Within that, as I discussed yesterday on Daily Shot of Kenny Pickett, the quarterback's gotten better as well. He's starting to do more things. He's starting to make more reads. He's starting to get a little bit more accurate, a little bit more confident using his legs. The offensive line is playing arguably twice as well right now as it did at the beginning of the season. And not only do I not believe that's an exaggeration, but I can tell you from talking to these guys, they'd agree with me 100% on this concept. You're going to need more, though. You're going to need a wide receiver to become your main playmaker. I have no faith, or close to no faith, I should say, to be fair, in Deontay Johnson. I have a lot of faith in George Pickens, but I don't have faith in the offensive coordinator to draw plays that makes Pickens available as a principal option to the quarterback. I have a lot of faith in Pat Friermuth, but the same thing kind of applies where he's concerned. This isn't exactly a coordinator with a wealth of experience in throwing the football across the middle of the field, which is where Friermuth and most tight ends will do their greatest damage. Is the offense there? No, not yet. Not to do something like win seven in a row. And by the way, the defense isn't there either. And they know it. The Falcons did a lot of good things on Sunday, and that's not a very talented team. They came at the Steelers with what works for them a lot of the time with the volume running. They don't have a quarterback at all. That's why everyone was discussing Marcus Mariota's fate as a starter immediately after the conclusion of that game, including Arthur Smith, I might add. But you don't look at the defense and think to yourself, oh, yeah, they're about to go on some kind of tear. They're about to make a difference. And I could only cite one factor here to be convincing on that count. And that's that T.J. Watts, not himself, not close to himself, and he's not about to get a breather. Not with the Ravens coming up Sunday, so I remain as skeptical as I've been that we should even be bringing this up. But hey, you win a couple in a row, you got a bad schedule in front of you. It's it, it's at least worth broaching. But no, I'm not there yet either. When we come back, J1Q. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, and not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Mark, who says, Hey Dan, how the heck can the Steelers find a way to get Gunnar Olszewski two end sweeps for a total of three yards But they can't get George Pickens more involved in the game plan. That's pathetic. Mark, I first have to issue a correction. And it's important. Based on the journalistic integrity that we attempt to attach to this program on a regular basis, Gunner did not have three yards on those two end sweeps. He had two yards. So after you print and mail to me your handwritten apology, now I'll just go ahead and answer it. They were horrible plays. And, you know, you can say that the jet sweeps or the end arounds in and of themselves are the disaster, except that when you look at Steven Sims running three of them himself, he picked up 19 yards and did mostly something on each of the three. One was a 10 yarder, but the other two weren't disasters. It's Gunner or Gunner running to his side. It isn't working at all on those plays, and it needs to be completely scrapped. George, I feel, is a somewhat separate subject, though I understand that offensive snaps are offensive snaps and why you would ask why two of them would be invested in plays that are doomed before they even get started. A couple of things happened that were bad related to George in Atlanta. One is that the coordinator lined him up a lot of the times in the slot. When you spend the entire remainder of a rookie's season putting him in a single spot and running pretty much the same pattern again and again and again. And George actually has more straight line down-the-field routes than any wide receiver in the National Football League, and then you show up one Sunday and say, hey, let's try this. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a failure to connect, not just on the part of the wide receiver, but also on the part of the quarterback who's used to seeing number 14 in another spot and used to at least having out of the corner of his eye an awareness that, hey, George might have Blown the top off of something here. Let's see what we can find. And then you move him. Why? Why? To accommodate what? See, this is where I I keep bringing everything back to so-and-so versus Deontay. Because it was Chase Claypool versus Deontay Johnson when it comes to being targeted. Then Chase was traded. Okay, great. Here's your chance, 18 What does he do with his chance? He gets targeted 11 times. 11 times. Catches only five of them. One of the incompletions was a flagrant drop. Another of the incompletions was, you remember it, the fumble that was then reversed into being something else, an incompletion. One way or another, he didn't hang on to the ball. Another one was Canada's absolutely insane call, to try a fade to Deontay in the back corner of the end zone. Your number one wide receiver doesn't make all three of those plays, but he also doesn't whiff on all three of those plays. And yeah, I know Deontay was covered on the fade, whatever. You just don't, he's not that guy. He's not that guy that you throw that ball to, that you design that play for. You know who is? George. George can go up over that little dude and catch that ball. And look, I know there's going to be a lot of discussion this week about George coming off the field and stomping and yelling and swearing, throw me the blanking ball and everything else here. He's a kid. Also, he's right. He's right. He should be getting thrown the ball. Nothing was happening in these plays that looked like they involved him as a principal target, except for the two times, two, one, two times he was targeted in the game. But this isn't about, and it shouldn't be about, a personality thing because that's not where it originated. That's a symptom. The cause is the one that you identify, which is that Matt Canada couldn't find a way to get him involved. That's what needs to change. Don't worry about whether or not he had a temper tantrum. Find a way to get him the football. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.